Real Nerds is a proud partner of the Denver Podcast Network. In the shadow of the mountains, we speak. Hi, my name is Paul Caroli, and I host a podcast called Changing Denver. It's a monthly show about our city's physical spaces, how we make them, and how they make us. But it's so much more than that. It's the conversations, ideas, and stories that define Denver's perpetual state of flux. Find more from our team at changingdenver.com and join the conversation on Twitter at Changing Denver. Denver's changing. We can help. Oh, hi, podcast listeners. There's many ways you can listen to the Real Nerds podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can also subscribe on Stitcher Radio. You want to send us a Twitter message? You can do that. It's so easy. At Real Nerds. Like us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. You can visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com, where there'll be a lot of articles for you to not only read, but to listen to our previous shows. You can also call us, 720-6Nerds5. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. I'm Andre Gower. And I'm Ryan Lambert. And you're listening to Real Nerds Podcast. Welcome to Real Nerds Podcast, unofficially the official podcast of Denver Pop Culture Con. I am Ryan. With me is Zach. And dude, you said you'd give me time to do the do the text. Sorry, bro. <laughs> <laughs> That's all, folks. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm Brad. Uh, you know that by now. Yeah. Every week on Real Nerds <laughs> Podcast, we go see a new movie and we podcast our experience to the world. This week, we saw Bumblebee. Bumblebee, the prequel to the Transformer Transformers. Transformer movies. <laughs> Uh, stay tuned to the end of the show. We'll tell if you see it or not. Play the trailer and spoil uh, prequel. Spoiler alert, Autobots. Sorry, I just really like doing that Peter Cullen voice lately. It's fun. It amuses me. Okay, are you going to keep on doing it or? Nah, I th- I'm good for now. Uh, you sh- you sure? <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> you sure? Yes. Okay. Uh, we also talk about movies. Autobots, roll out. <laughs> See, but at least yours sounds awesome. He stole my thunder. So my throat's all screwed up still. <laughs> I know. Brad is um, currently carrying the Deadly zombie hit. virus. Mm-hmm. So, uh, virus. so if you get bitten by Bradley and you come back as a ravenous zombie, you know why. I was going to say the deadly Motaba virus from Outbreak. <laughs> and the same one that infected the town of New Jersey in Clerks the Animated Series. <laughs> I think I think the T-virus is a little more relevant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> T virus stands for Transformers virus. Brad transformed into the sound booth, man. That was weird. <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah, Brad, you're still sick, so your week was. How was it? Was it okay? It's just mediocre. Like, <laughs> it's no better the day after. Or, like, it just doesn't. Nothing's changed. Just, just there. Yeah. So I'm just stuck on my computer. Mm. Making stuff. It was like the longest time I've gone without trying to go see a movie this week. Yeah. Mm. So that was weird. I was like, I really want to go see something, but if I just, I don't have to, like, I need to mentally convince myself that I don't <laughs> have, like, I, boredom doesn't have to be me going out and paying 12 bucks to see a movie. Yeah. I have Netflix. I have Amazon Prime. <laughs> just deal with it. But it, I no, I agree. You know, I haven't seen a movie, I think, in the theater in three weeks because I saw Bumblebee a long time ago. I, last movie I saw was Mary Poppins. 
Yeah, three mm. weeks ago. So yeah, because I saw Mary Poppins and Bumblebee like back to back days, or maybe two or three days apart. Um, you guys are stronger than me. I'm an addict. I've been I've been every week since since that point. But no, I just I felt like shit, and so I've, I mean I've watched movies at home. Yeah, but I'm, it, I'm glad you're it, over it. Yeah, yeah, I know. I it took me two and a half weeks. I'm surprised more of our friends didn't get it. Well, I mean, the problem is me and you just make out all the time. Yeah, it's true. But they don't know. And I have the sloppy seconds, so naturally I don't get it as bad, but I still get it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you just get the, the slight, the slight. I'm not even sure if I had what you guys had, though, because I had an ear and sinus infection, so no. maybe-ish. I no, know. I had, I mean, my sinuses were bad, but I don't know, I had some sort of fever. Mm. I think I had the flu, actually. When Possibly. I went to... Did you get a shot? Yep. Oh, okay, then. Mm. Uh, before I went to the Shyamalanathon, um, I had like a pain in my in my lungs and then my sternum all the way back to my spine and then up through my esophagus. Mm. And my mom said that was probably pneumonia. So Your mom's a nurse, so she would know. Yeah. She also said that your original name was Mr. Glass. <sighs> Organ Glass. I'll be here all week. Are you saying my bones are brittle? I'm saying Does that make sense at all. I'm just saying <laughs> what we're talking about that you shouldn't <laughs> talk to James McAvoy. I don't think I'll have that problem. <laughs> not, pretty sure I'm not going to cross this path. <laughs> you leave here and he's like at Best Buy. <laughs> he's just outside Zach's house. Hey, can you move your car? You're blocking me in. James McAvoy. What are you doing here? And then he just picks it up and throws it like in glass. And are you here to bend bolts with your mind? <laughs> Bruce Willis is in the background lazily going, stop, don't do that. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what we do. I'm going to change it up this week because I was listening to our last episode. I've been doing it the same way for a while. Okay. These are the Blu-rays that are coming out next week. DVD releases the Blu-rays. See, you got to be ready for the curveball I'm throwing. That's, that's a te- it's a 12 to 6. That has a lot of break on it. Uh, did anybody see mid-90s here at all? Nope. Nope. Oh, well, you can get it on Blu-ray and watch it now if you want to. Um, also, Castle Rock, the first season, is getting a 4K and Blu-ray release. Um, Are you on the right week? I think I saw Castle Rock at Best Buy last week. January 8th. Oh, fuck me. I'm I'm off, man. My bad. First episode of the new year, and yeah. still haven't got it figured out. Yeah, <laughs> still screwed up. Nine years later. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I'm wrong. Actually, the best possible release ever. Uh, Halloween, uh, David Gordon Green's current masterpiece is coming to 4k blu-ray and also steelbook at best buy did you get the steelbook uh, i'll probably or? pre-order it i think it looks cool it, it looks okay i i don't know why i'm feeling underwhelmed by it i, I i've learned from brad's um misfortunes when they deliver steelbooks that i wait till the day they release and as soon as because they won't let you pre-order them or pick them up at the store until that they're open mm-hmm. so at 10 o'clock in the morning i log on to their website and i order it from whatever best buy i want and then they pull it aside. Yeah, often if you even try to pre-order it the week before, it'll say like, you know, you can't. Not available. It's not, ava- not available. Yeah. yeah. It's like no way. I think yeah. I'm. I think I'm gonna buy. I'm gonna do something dumb and buy both the steelbook and the regular because I also like the regular cover. It's just Michael's face mm. looking ominous. Um, also, this is just a throwback release, but for- Cliffhanger's getting a 4K release, which mm-hmm. sounds like lots of fun. <laughs> I like Cliffhanger. Um, and then uh, the on the head. <laughs> Um, I've never seen it, but no, uh, no, I've never. It's Rennie Harlan at his best. I've never, I've never watched every single Stallone film. Um, which you know, I, I'll have to do that at some point. Maybe when I'm done with Clint, I'll do Stallone next. <laughs> All right, um, that'll be fun. 
Uh, He's been in a lot of big movies. Oh, God, the Stallone filter's back on the board again. (laughs) Your fault. You brought him up. (laughs) Oh, God, that's right. I forgot not to... It's like Beetlejuice. (laughs) Um, Also, uh, one that you and I will like, Ryan, uh, Notorious is getting its Criterion release this week. Yeah, I do have it coming. Nice. Um, And then we have uh, Once Upon a Deadpool is getting its Blu-ray release. Cool. Brad, is that worth a double dip on Blu-ray? What is? Once Upon a Blue Deadpool. Uh... When it's seven dollars, uh, yeah. If it's like thirty bucks, maybe no. But mm. if it's ten or fifteen, yeah. Why not? I mean, you're only watching a couple new scenes, and it's PG thirteen. Does it say if it has like the R cut on it? I don't know. Doesn't say if it does. I, th- I don't think it does. I don't the, think the, it, the it, box art's him riding the unicorn. I think. Yeah, I don't think it would just because like plenty of opportunities to get the other one anyway. They should just do a big. I like the steel book of that one. I have that one. That one's fun. Maybe when the third one comes out, they'll do like a big box set that includes that cut in it. Um, but anyway, also uh, the old man in the gun, the Robert Redford movie that nobody saw. Um, I want to see that one. You now watch I it. I tried to. It was one of my charities choices that I never made it to. I know. Um, and then uh, we've also got Goosebumps two. So if you like the first Goosebumps and wanted some more Goosebumps, you can get more Goosebumps. Um, and then uh, we've got Happy Birthday to Me. On one of those VHS uh, older slip covers, I got that. I got that at Walmart. So then, so I guess then they're just reissuing it. I, I think it's no longer Walmart exclusive. Would be my guess. So now it's available to all mankind, which is pretty neat. Um, and then the Pink Panther cartoon collection from seventy one to seventy five is getting a Blu ray release. Um, I assume that's from Shout. I think it's actually Kino Lorber. Oh, that's right. Kino Kino has um, the cartoons, but Shout has the uh, movies. Um, and then from Scream Factory um, is Saturday the 14th, um, which I want to watch. It's garbage. I, I'm sure it is, but I like the the, the guy who directed it is um, a guy who I enjoy watching kind of throughout the 70s Yeah, the hard thing with those Scream Factory releases, they're hardly ever on sale. They're always like $26. Yeah. Because no one buys them. Would that be the same case for Howling 3, the marsupials? Hi. <laughs> Well, if you want to sit, no, I'm not. Movie, this movie is one of those ones that's so bad that it's kind of fun to watch. But granted, I haven't seen it in so long. The cover art is probably the coolest part of that movie. I was, I, I, I had, I had enough of my Howling Phil with the Howling Two, <laughs> and I can see, and I like the first one a lot. See, so. I think Howling Two Two is fun because it's so stupid. And mm-hmm. Scream Factory actually put out a really great uh, Blu-ray. If you do the reverse cover art, it's known by its European name, which is Sherpa Ware Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so you can uh, check that out. Nice. Um, and looks like that's about it, as far as I can see. Here. Uh, Crimson Peak is getting a special edition from Arrow. That's Video. right. Sorry, missed that one here on Arrow. I Video. think it's been delayed a lot because I pre-ordered a long time ago. Also, and it got that's, shipped. That's why you're giving me Crimson Peak on Blu-ray. Yeah. <laughs> I have a really bad habit of like, oh, that movie looks cool, and I pre-order it, and then I forget about it, and then I get like text says, hey. Your order of Crimson Peak from Special Edition is coming out. <laughs> I said, oh, yeah. Because sometimes I'm like, you know, I'm going to pre-order it and I'll decide if I want it or not because I just want it to. When you do it on Amazon, you know, you'll get the lowest price if it fluctuates. And then I just forget about it because they only post your like six months worth of stuff. Right. And I think that one's been delayed a couple of times. Well, now it is available. It's a cool movie, though. Um, but yeah, that is Blu-rays. Awesome. Corinne called in. She watched Sicario, which is Emily Blunt's best movie. You know, I, I'm really tempted to put Mary Poppins there because, you know, my childhood 
nostalgia. And that was a really cool thing you posted on Twitter uh, where you said you thought that the bathtub was um, CGI and it's not. Oh, I didn't think that. Someone else posted that. I just directed you toward it. Yeah. yeah. But you directed it towards it. So, you know, I. But it's cool. I, I, I totally did think that was yeah. CGI in the movie. Even no, she slid And then you realize that Emily home. Blunt is so great that everything she does is amazing. Can you imagine that? Nope. Uh, yeah. Ha ha. I see what yeah. There see. The there you go. Yeah, catch yeah, up. Yeah, catch yeah. up. Uh, here's what Corinne had to say about Sicario. Hey nerds, Corinne here. Although this week I won't be doing a catching the classics. If anybody didn't listen to the film explosion episode, Ryan and I did a movie swap. He watched my copy of Juliet Naked, which is not a porno; it's a rom com, and I got his copy of Sicario. So I was going to talk about that. Um, Sicario. Really, really good movie. Uh, I really want to watch it again. Uh, I think now that I know what's going on, I might process it a little bit better the second time around. But, oh, I was just blown away with, like, how well this movie, like, built up the tension. Um, the border scene really stands out to me, just like the whole lead up to that of, you know, they're spotting the different cars and they're like, green civic, three lanes over. And they're just and popping up the little guns, like, all right, roll down your window. You know, it was just, it was a really well done scene. Um, or at least like the tension building up to it was, I guess maybe in my mind, I thought the tension was so built up. I expected like this huge, like shootout, which kind of was, but not to the scale that I was expecting, but that's okay. Um, yeah, I really liked the way this movie was shot, um, just kind of bouncing around between, like, little quiet moments with different characters and, like, not glossing over kind of their sort of banal reactions to things, like the scene at the beginning where you see the guys outside, um, throwing up after they find the bodies in the house, like, that, that felt very a very nice nicely paced and and good kind of character building moment and i just i really liked the movie i think there was if i had any problems with it it was that a third of the way into the movie all of a sudden the film like switches its focus away from emily blunt's character and onto benicio's character and I guess I was like, wait, so like this whole time we've been so focused on Kate and then now all of a sudden it's like, nope, Alejandro is like the main character. But maybe if like I rewatched it, I would feel a little bit differently about it. Because, I mean, they did give his character a good amount of focus in the first two thirds of the movie, but it just seemed like all of a sudden like, no, like he's the main character. And it's like, well, I guess this movie is called Sicario, so makes sense why all of a sudden we're switching the focus to him but i guess i would have preferred a little bit more focus on his character initially so that the transition was a little bit smoother i don't know but oh my gosh yeah that last scene where they're in her apartment and her decision spoilers to not shoot him i'm like oh my gosh like you could read that so many different ways and they all kind of, or maybe, you know, there were multiple reasons why she didn't shoot him, but it's just, yeah, I just, I, I, lo I love the movie and I, I appreciate you guys kind of prepping me for the whole, like, it's really depressing. It's really dark. And it's like, yeah, 
It is, but I think the fact that I knew that going into it, it made it a little bit easier to watch. So uh, thanks, Ryan, for loaning me that movie and hope you had fun watching Juliet Naked. And I hope to see you all again very soon. And for, oh, for my next Catching the Classics, um, part 11, I think I'll be reviewing a comedy slash horror movie. So that's going to happen next time. Bye. Yeah, she's right on. Um, I think that's why Sicario said it is such a great film Mm -hmm. is because you, what I love about Emily Blunt's character is you know that she's a badass. I mean, it's established early on when she raids that house they think is like a drug lord and it's full of dead people oh, and kidnap people and then there's a bomb that kills law enforcement uh, officers. Uh, can we stop the podcast? I want to watch Sicario again. Um, and I think what makes the film so great when she was talking about the border scene is you don't know what's going on either. It's your thrust into uh, Emily Blunt's character, Kate's point of view, mm-hmm. where and she even says, what the fuck is going on? After she like, wastes some dude and blows his brains out. That confusion is delightfully intentional. Yeah, and it's, it's well, great. Well, not delightfully. I, I, I mean. think... Uh, Benicio del Toro and Emily Blunt are amazing in this film. Mm-hmm. I think the MVP that's kind of hidden away is Josh Brolin. Yeah. I think he's really great and intense in it. Uh, and when you watch uh, Day of Day of the Soldado, yeah, yeah, Day of Dead People, um, <laughs> the he uh, his character's arc is really good in that. Um, it's not as good as the first one. But I, I would never expect it to be that there's a sequel actually to Sicario. I think it's pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's intense. It's sad. Uh, you have that feeling with her of, you know, what the fuck is going on. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really well shot. She mentioned that, too, by Academy Award winner. I'll say that her comment on Alejandro's um, arc kind of being more centralized within the second act and whatnot I think we kind of have to get only bits and pieces of him in this movie because, yeah. like, sequel aside, like, we need to be as confused about him as Emily Blunt is about him. Yeah, no, I agree. Which, it, it makes the dinner scene at the end so oh, freaking yeah. uncomfortable and the following scene that she discussed in her apartment even more scary. Oh, yeah, and, it, you know, and he doesn't have any remorse. I mean, he just murders that whole dude's family. It's, and and he, it, He's human, but he's also, like... He's, he's gone through. Sh- he's gone through shit, <laughs> yeah. and he's a hitman. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's very well done. Uh, I like that she liked it. It's one of those movies that I recommend to people, but I understand if they don't like it. Mm-hmm. Well, it's tough. It's tough subject matter. It, it and... is. But if they get past that and they realize that it's an amazing film, mm-hmm. and like I said, it's my favorite Emily Blunt movie, and I, I've seen them all. Yes. Oh, I haven't seen all of them. There's a couple of British ones. That are hard to come by. Oh, Tea and Biscuits, the motion picture. Yeah, yeah. No, you can't get that one very Wait, easily. The Young Victoria. No, I have that one. No, okay. that yeah. one's really easy. It's like a four dollar Blu-ray. Yeah. Uh, well, it's at the Alamo. It's like one of their special. Oh, programs. is it really? Yeah. Oh, so. I have to see that. That's a good movie. Yeah, um, Mar- saw the Martin Scorsese presented that one. Yeah. Um, no, there's I forget what it's called. There's one with like Liam Neeson, I think. Taken for. <laughs> I've never seen. Um, there's a couple that are really Britishy. That I think think are only on DVD. I'll have to go back and research, but I've seen most of them. Uh, Sherlock Gnomes is streaming on Netflix, so I won't have to spend money on that. There you go. Um, and I'm still waiting for My Little Pony to show up streaming. Oh, the French of His Magic movie. Uh, yeah, she's hmm. a voice in it. Uh, she oh. only did voices last year because she was pregnant with her her second child. That's right. So she well, and she took time off to do those, and then she rehearsed for Mary Poppins for ten months. Yeah. 
Um, love that woman. Also, when you said Day of Dead People, mm-hmm. I was like, that's the George A. Romero movie we never got. Just I Day of Dead People. I cannot people. remember the subtitle of this Sicario 2. It was, it was supposed to be just called Soldado, and then yeah. they got nervous because marketing. Yeah. Um, but no, I just, I want to, that should have been Romero's last picture is just Day of the Dead People. <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> oh, that'd be awesome. I love George Romero. It's a zombie just, movie. <laughs> yeah. People love it. <laughs> I love watching special features with George Romero because he has the fuck it attitude whenever he talks. He's got the best smile of yeah. any director I've ever seen there's BTS a, footage There's of. a great roundtable discussion in the Creep Show Blu-ray that Shout put out that has Tom Savini, um, uh, makeup guys, uh, an actor, and then um, fuck, Tom Atkins. Fuck, his name like slipped me away. Who's the dude in Halloween 3? And they all talk about oh, how, Drunky McDrunkerson. <laughs> yeah, they all talk about how great he was to work for, uh, and that he handled because there's a lot of you know celebrities in Creep Show. Oh yeah. And then they talked about how Leslie Nielsen would carry around a fart machine. They talked just... to, talk to Stephen King in that one, or no? Oh, they talk. Uh, yeah, he he doesn't really show up on special features. He's, King doesn't. He's busy in Maine writing of uh, five books a minute. Yeah. Anyways, uh, Brad, is there something happening around town that we need to know about? Hey, film buddies, follow me around Denver. I've got a song this week. Good. (laughs) Except Uh, this one about him riding around in his Jeep. He's honking and honking and honking and getting out of his way as he pulls into a parking spot. I did did honk my horn a couple times because I came back from Fort Collins just now. Big Mm. mistake. Like just now. Yeah. Um, twice going once going up there and once coming back, some person was like doing ninety mm. behind me, and I was like gonna change lanes, and obviously they're doing ninety, so I look mm. back, looks fine. Suddenly they're right behind me. Yeah, uh, that bullshit. So, and of course, there's always like a big truck. Yep. Some should roll down your window and said like, "Do you know who you almost just? Fr- I am a real nerd." <laughs> yes. Yeah, I don't think that's gonna fly with some. <laughs> yeah, it's the one truck driver who listens <laughs> the to the podcast. Guy. Yeah. <laughs> Um. Oh, are you, are, yeah, I'm waiting for you to finish. I think you're going to continue your song. No. Um. Yeah. Uh. This Thursday, the Emerging Filmmakers Project is at the Bug. Five dollars. Uh. Starts at eight o'clock. Uh. If it bleeds, is screening there. So I will be on stage doing a Q and A of that. Nice. Along with uh, I'm watching a bunch of the other local films, and then it's a good. It's a good short film. Thank you. Um. And uh, the, the Blu-rays will be there if you want one. To buy from me, mm-hmm. bring money. Yeah, um, <laughs> I think that's it. Uh, the Esquire's still down. I drove by it last night. Mm-hmm. It just says temp closed. And I was like, <laughs> "What am I going to do with my life if I have nothing to go to at midnight <laughs> on the weekends?" Um, you can also send like send some info that like AMC uh, Cherry Creek Eights like closed. Oh or yeah, something. yeah. The Cherry Creek Eight. Uh, yeah, they're remodeling and they're trying to put in a bar and stuff so they can be like the Alamo so that's weird I used to I was working at that theater when I first met you guys um and uh that that I mean we were just transitioning to digital at the time so they still had I was still up in the projection booth turning on the digital projectors and making sure they worked Mm -hmm. um and then uh when they went automated that's around the same time when I was leaving anyway to go find another job so I think it's the first theater I went to when I moved here. And mm. I saw Batman, Batman Returns there. Mm. Nice. 
first movie theater I remember going to is the Green Mountain one and Ninja Turtles. Nice. I'm sure I went to some before that, but that's the one I remember going to. Yeah. It's like, like the, the movie. Remember. Uh, what sticks out for me is, though, because uh, I was uh, I was a dumb kid. Mm-hmm. So when they do like the flashback to the Penguin's origin, and then it says, like, 40 years later, I'm just like, so Batman's like 80 now? <laughs> <laughs> Not understanding like that it was a flashback. Dad looks so. down at you, my son. <laughs> um, yeah. My first one was the one up on Arapahoe that you and I have been to that I used to work at before the AMC. Now they're going to be reopening it as a Cinnabar. Yeah. So. Nice. Yeah, so now I can walk to the cinema. <laughs> Speaking of movie theaters, we watch movies, sometimes in theaters, sometimes at home. This is a segment I call What You've Been Watching. So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. What'd you watch, boys and ghouls, Brad? Sweet. Look at this list. It's like a whole page on my phone. Nice. <sighs> um, so if you don't interrupt me, I can get through it really fast. All right, I'm going to start with... Um, Let's see. I rewatched Goldmember. <laughs> it's, it's on Netflix. It's um, fun. Nice. It's okay, but it's like the whole movie is just, uh, hey, we got Britney Spears in the movie. Look, it's Britney Spears. Oh, hey, we got this other person in the movie. They're popular right now. Here's a half-assed joke about that. The best part is the opening with Tom Cruise as Austin oh, Powers. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then Steven Spielberg being like, um, I think my Oscar has something to say <laughs> yeah. about those decisions. Uh, but everything after that is just like, meh. Um, I also rewatched uh, The Mummy. The Mummy Returns. Mummy Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. <laughs> oh, the Brendan Fraser the extravaganza. King. Yeah. yeah. Um, and those first two are pretty fun. But the thing that stuck out to me that I hadn't noticed before is, in thanks to High Definition, in The Mummy, the first one, when Rachel Weiss is in the library mm-hmm. um, and she gets stuck on the ladder, mm-hmm. they cut to a wide shot and it's clearly a man in a wig and a dr- oh. <laughs> trying to balance on the still like mm. a, a stilt act guy. Oh, I believe you, but I want to see this for myself. Yeah, now. check it out. It's it's pretty oh. funny. Um, because yeah, it's, it's clearly not Rachel Weiss. <laughs> you got it. On, you got it. On, you got it on 4K or, or a female. <laughs> Yeah, Blu-ray. Oh, okay. I didn't yeah. know if it was on 4K yet or not. Yeah, Walmart had like that Steelbook collection for like 15 bucks or something. No. So, oh, yeah. shit, That's yeah. worth it. Oh, yeah. fuck yeah. That's enough entertainment for that. I think the first movie is worth 15 bucks. Yeah. Yeah, I like the first movie a lot. <laughs> um, oh, look, I got the bonus You know, if you want to listen to someone who worked on that, we have a great interview with Joe Kramer from I- ILM. Ed Kramer. Ed Kramer. That's what I said. <laughs> um, and The Scorpion King, like, I watched it years ago when it came out and it was like, this is garbage. But watching it now, for some reason, it was actually kind of fun. Um, it's a big dumb sword and sandals epic. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like the part where he rips the arrow out of his back to shoot the villain is like <laughs> it's pretty badass. Yeah, of course, um, the rock. Like if it if it was a more competent, like not cheesy movie, like that would actually be pretty awesome. Like if Schwarzenegger did it or something. Yeah. Like yeah, I mean that's obviously his first movie, so there's yeah. some growing pains. But I mean now he's pretty solid, but. Did Chuck Russell direct that one? The, no, it's the, uh, is it Ro- or is it Rob Cohen? That sounds right. I don't know. No, yeah. Rob Cohen did the two, the, the two of the Dragon, Dragon Emperor. Emperor yeah. But yeah, it's it's Chuck. I think it's, it's Chuck Russell, the guy who did the mask. And yeah, he did the um, mask. Yeah. yeah, and Nightmare I just Three. Thought maybe it was a different name. No. But yeah. Um, and then uh, I finally got around to watching Hell or High Water and seeing yet. Oh, and that's actually pretty good. Yeah, you know, uh, that was my number one from 2016. Um, I also watched Primal Fear. Uh, <laughs> no gerbils involved. 
no gerbils are harmed in the making. That story movie. will never die. <laughs> um, but which, a gerbil in your butt will. Which I feel like the, the, the twist of that movie actually kind of hurts it. Like mm. I, was, I haven't seen it in so long, I can't remember. Yeah, so uh, Ed Norton is accused of murdering a Catholic priest. Yeah. Um, and then in the course of... Initially, Richard Gere is there to just be like... He, he just wants a case that has like huge spotlight because he's really into himself and his career. And, publicity, like, yeah. Publicity, yeah. And then um, Laura Linney is the prosecuting attorney. Anyway, um, so anyway, as Richard Gere's trying to figure out what's going on, he, he like he's so sure of himself. He's just like, yeah, this kid's in- innocent, and I'm gonna you know defend him under that notion. And as you go along, you find out like maybe he's not. Uh, and then it jumps back to him being like, yeah, he is innocent. And then at the end of the movie, uh, Edward Norton breaks character and. You realize he he's been playing Richard Gere the whole time. Mm, that's right. Yeah, and that's the part that's just like I haven't seen that in so long, man. It's a good movie though, if I remember right. Yeah, I have to watch it again. Yeah, that twist is what get, gets him his first Oscar nod, man. Yeah, but also I'm just like, what does Primal Fear even mean? It's like, just it's just a story. It's a '90s courtroom drama title. <laughs> yeah. Um, Double Jeopardy. I. Uh, <laughs> I rewatched Doom, also with The Rock. Nice. <laughs> also better than Remember, but it's pretty... <laughs> you know what's funny is I got that a couple years ago on Steelbook when it was on sale for, I think, three ninety nine. <laughs> it's still in its wrapper. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot, like, Carl Urban's, like, actually the hero in it. But it, it's, it's cool to see, like... You think he'd be the hero throughout yeah. the whole thing, and then The Rock turns out to be, like, the bad guy. I think, it's, I think the uh, first-person shooter part is pretty wicked. If I remember right, I haven't seen it since it came out in theater. Yeah, he just—it's only really towards the finale. Yeah, it's just because he like I think he, I looked away for a second and came. I think he got like dosed with some kind of drug or something. Yeah, and just like he went to like yeah first prison shooter mode. It's one of those first films where I remember like reading the reviews for it and then it, it becoming a joke months later in like different like EW articles and stuff. So I haven't seen it though. Yeah, I'd like to watch it. Um, the, the one part, uh, Carl Urban like traps the rock in like that transporter thing yeah. teleporter thing and i thought like they set it up that like the guy in the wheelchair like lost his legs because of that thing mm. so i thought it would make more sense if the rock also got spl- like cut in half with the mm. transporter but they let him go through the transport to the other side and then carl Urban throws a bomb through and it explodes That's on the other right. side and i was like would make more badass if it like cut the rock in half and <laughs> yeah yeah anyway yeah i haven't seen it so long i'll have to Unwrap it. <laughs> um, I rewatched Forty Two, and I was like, oh, "I love that movie." Harrison Ford, so good in that movie. Yeah, I want a really player good. who's got the guts not to fight. Yeah, um, it's a good role. I rewatched Little Nicky. It's bad, which I haven't seen since uh, the nineties. Ni- yeah, I think ninety nine came out. Yeah, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's like it's just like. And like an Ocean's movie. Like, he just got his friends together and they just yeah. fucked around the and whole time. I'm pretty forgivable to most Sam because I really like Adam Sandler. But that's a movie I have a really hard time watching. And, yeah, I mean, I love Rodney Dangerfield. And I just can't handle Adam Sandler like this. <laughs> and um, Friend. It's so weird. And it's one of those $100 million movies that shouldn't be $100 million. And, and it shouldn't be because the... The CGI yeah. and effects are horrible. Even the typography is terrible. Oh, yeah. When you go back and watch it, you just wow, this is not good. Yeah. That's what gets him switched over to Columbia, I think. Because that, that film bombed, didn't it? Yeah. 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 And it, like, it screams. Like, you watch it. It's like the studio is like, oh, yeah, Adam Sandler. Here's $100 million to make this oh, devil absolutely. movie. And then you watch it, and you can tell, like, by post-editing, there's like, here, 
throw Ariel, Ariel on the screen and get the shit out of here. Yeah. Because mm. uh, it's, yeah. Um, should I describe the plot to people listening or just <laughs> move on? <laughs> yeah, move on. Uh, Nikki is the devil's son and the devil's dying because his sons are bad and they go to New York, right? Something yeah, like that. his sons are like, yeah, we're going to screw with New York because you won't make us the next devil. That's right. And then his dad's like, and they, because uh, they, they jump through the the portal to hell, it freezes the portal so none of the right, souls can right. get in. That's right. Mm-hmm. And then his dad's decaying because none of the souls are getting in. And his dad's like, the solution is to trap your brothers into this whiskey flask. Yeah. Oh, that's right. It's really bad CGI when they get sucked in there. Yeah, yeah I remember that. Yeah. Um, God, yeah. I watched it like two years ago. And I still can't. I think I just block it out of my memory. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh. Sorry, I keep jumping around on my list here. Uh, I rewatched Armageddon, also from the similar era. Did you miss a thing? <laughs> uh. No, that movie is like an hour of. Here's a bunch of like fake science stuff that we made up and that you're ben training, like training calls, for it. That Ben Affleck calls out in the commentary. <laughs> and then a bunch of like I mean if you just stay awake just to hear your heart beating. Um <laughs> Yeah, it, it was better than I remembered, but it's just it's, like It's one of those movies that's fun. And there's and, there's so many like people that you don't remember in it that are like big now. I was remembering Kevin Smith's story where he was t- trying to get Bruce Willis for a mo- for Jersey Girl, and Ben Affleck's like, "Don't worry, I'll talk to him. I did the I did the meteorite movie with him," <laughs> and he's like, "I remember Harry, I love you," and then he didn't call back, and I'm like, "Apparently, Harry didn't love you back." <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry, back to Adam Sandler. I also watched Click. Oh yeah, that movie's fun. And the best thing I can say about it is Kate Beckinsale in her underwear wearing a <laughs> Women of Justice League t-shirt. Yeah, that movie's fun. Never um, seen them before. It's a little darker than I watch it recently. It's darker than I remember it being. Yeah, the tone is like almost a drama. Yeah. But it's got these silly, awful special effects and just silly moments. Yeah. Um, if you if you know what I'm talking about, Adam Sandler gets a remote control from Bed Bath & Beyond. That, like, and Beyond. And beyond that, control he can control us, and then eventually he puts on autopilot. It's a remote fast through his life for you to fast forward through your life. (laughs) (laughs) He fast forwards through his life, and then misses out on a bunch of important things because he's lazy and stupid. Yep, and that's the lesson. It's like a fairy tale. But then when it gets to him actually dying, it's like he's trying to act like it's super serious, but Mm -hmm. I'm just laughing (laughs) because the whole scene just seems really forced, like. Forced important, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Kate Beckinsale, that's one beautiful woman. Um, ever watched The Village? Garbage, <laughs> which I haven't seen in a long time, and it was also better than I remember. Um, but like, what I didn't notice back in the day is like how much, like how relevant it is today, because it's a bunch of like old people trying to preserve like their old ways um, and resisting the change in the future. And then, um, and then they find out trucks exist on the highway, <laughs> and using fear mongering hmm. uh, to keep everyone in line. And then when don't make me want to watch this movie again, Brad, <laughs> you son of a bitch. And then you know, once change comes anyway, they're forced to abandon that plan. I read this really funny article on the Hollywood Report. You should check it out. It's about Sam Jackson and his um, ascension to become uh, a really big movie star and he's the most bankable star in Hollywood because his movies have totaled like 13 billion dollars mm-hmm. and he talks about uh, Shyamalan and when he was on Unbreakable he used to drive him crazy because he said don't emphasize that word emphasize this word and so he's and uh, so he's Shyamalan ta- told him that? yeah oh, okay and so he he's 
in this article is <laughs> I just love reading the article because mm-hmm. they they're quoting me and he says stuff like motherfucker stay in your lane <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he would talk about how he would go to the the movie lot and they'd be passing and he'd say hey motherfucker when are you making a sequel to Unbreakable <laughs> and I'm just reading this and going yeah that's really funny <laughs> I want I want Sam Jackson to call me a motherfucker. <laughs> I'd pay money to have that happen. <laughs> no, I would too. Yeah, I know, dude. Dude, let, let's pull our resources. <laughs> Done. If he comes to Comic Con. Yeah, that's true. Because he also says that he loves that. That's what he's known for. Saying motherfucker. You should read the article. It's really good. It's really good. It talks about his career. It's really good. When he said stay in your lane, and he's just like, wait a minute, I got an idea for a movie. Changing lanes. <laughs> and, then, and then you realize that he's in so many movies you like. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's oh yeah. He's 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 run the gamut, man. Yeah, he talks about how he hates uh, Spike Lee. That's <laughs> funny. Um, did you see that they played it at the Alamo? There's like a, I don't know what it's for, but it's a, like kind of a short commercial where he's going around the city and people keep coming up to him saying like, Hey, Sam Jackson, I really like your work. Except you like taught my kid to smoke cause you smoked in that movie or, <laughs> or like, you know, now he's <laughs> oh, yeah, no, he, and everything Sam Jackson's fault. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. awesome. Like, yeah. And now my, uh, kids like training dinosaurs because you were in Jurassic Park, yeah, stuff like that, and gets sillier and sillier. He's in a. Um, I know you're not a big Spike Lee fan, but there's the movie that he did called Jungle Fever. If you were to just watch Sam Jackson, that's where the song comes. No, from. I know that's why he's mad at Spike Lee because he won an award at Cannes for it the first time and only time a supporting actor won an award. They had to create the award for him. Yeah, yeah and he didn't get the award for eight motherfucking months. Oh. Uh. And he wasn't even invited. They said he'd have to pay for his way there. And he, oh, he yeah. Never. He worked with Spike again on Chirac. So yeah, maybe he c- did. couldn't have been mad to him too long. But, <laughs> um, but he's good in that film. Like, if you were to yeah. just watch his performance alone, like it's... Well, he talks about, too, in that he uh, plays a crack addict in it. In the Gator, yeah. And he was just getting out of uh, rehab. <laughs> the story, you have to read this article. So he's talking about that Spike Lee uh, offered this to him, and he's going to be a crack addict, and... The people in the rehab have said, you shouldn't do that. You know, exposing yourself, you're going to put the glass pipe on your lip. And his quote is, if it gets me away from you motherfuckers, I'm going to do it. Because <laughs> he hated the people in rehab. And he never did it again. He got married to his wife. been married 38 years. Good yeah. for him. Good for him. Yeah. Um, Segwaying into more Shyamalan. Uh, so I did the shyamalan at the Alamo. So I saw Unbreakable and Split leading up to Glass. I'll save Glass for next week. Um but I have some thoughts on that shit. Um, Unbreakable, uh, still fantastic. I Although it's the best I, movie. Yeah, I th- the print they showed it felt like a DVD copy though. Mm. There's a lot of noise and grain in it. Ah, that mm. sucks. Um, but um, you know, watching it, it's a little unfair for Glass to watch this leading up to it because it's a studio films and it has a way bigger budget um, and a better cinematography. Uh, there was also a Q&A with Shyamalan, like a live Q&A. Um, it's, it's funny to hear you talk about uh, Sam Jackson because he addressed... He, he didn't get to talk about a lot of it, like his filmmaking. Like There was like th- three questions, and then all of his answers were really long, and he, he acknowledged that he was like rambling a lot. Um, and it's interesting because he invited people to talk about um, like leaving the studio system, and no one bid on it. Um, like going to Blumhouse mm-hmm. and everything, because he said like he's he's focusing on just being an indie filmmaker now because the, there's so much more freedom in that realm. Mm-hmm. Um, he had been stuff sc- like Split. He had been screwed over a bunch in the early days. So. Yeah, and he also wow. said like with the funny thing about Unbreakable is like it's a touchstone movie, so it's a Disney movie. And back 
when that came out and you know they're trying to market it um they're saying like you know people don't want to watch superhero movies mm-hmm. <laughs> so we need to treat it like a horror film mm-hmm. and it's just funny that now yeah. disney's all about superhero no i remember movies. that movie i was shocked when it was a superhero movie because i yeah. remember the the lead up to it was not that way uh you know the the thing with Shyamalan, he he made his bet a lot uh, when it came to how he got treated. Mm-hmm. There's I'll never forget. It was about ten years ago, right after Lady in the Water came out. Oh, and there's no. there was a huge article in Entertainment Weekly or some other trade paper that I read all the time, and they talked about how Disney told him they said this movie's no good. You need to go back and rewrite it. And his feelings were hurt so bad, and he he was drinking his own Kool Aid. That he said, I'll just take it to Warner Brothers. And Warner Brothers did make it because they said, you know what? It'd be cool to have him in our family. And um, and Disney was right. And so, and then you read stuff like what Sam Jackson said about him. And he believed a lot of his own hype. And I think that's why The Visit, which I didn't mind, and I think Split is a really good movie, um, that it restored my faith in him. And now that I read things about Glass, I'm like, fuck. Um, yeah, and he, he acknowledges that, too, mm-hmm. like that he was into himself too much and yeah like he like unbreakable not like it still did well it didn't yeah. bomb but it, i think it was like, it made 200 million but you know after six cents you know oh yeah, yeah. it's like there were a lot of mediocre there were a lot of people in the theater when i saw it when i when my dad took me and my sister to see it which my sister seeing it seems weird now because it's a pretty dark movie for her at her that age but i was surprised that it was about comic books and i was like oh, comics I, I like the wolverine yeah <laughs> um but yeah, he's like when a break will hit, he got so depressed because um, he thought he like understood the audience, and now he knows like, you know, his audience is the comic book fans mm-hmm. and stuff. So that's what his plan now is: just, like make small movies, tour them to Comic Con, and just make. I think the most successful people, and Stanley has always said this, and you, you, they ask him, you know, who do you write your stories for? And he says, me. He says, if I like the story, then other people will write the story, and I think that's true for anybody, any filmmaker, because if you don't believe in your story then it comes through in uh in your films and you mm-hmm. not everybody's a spielberg where even if your your worst movie 1941 you know I, you can still find merit in it and still enjoy it because he's such a talented filmmaker but you should tell the stories you want to tell mm-hmm. and if you stuff you're invested in exactly because yeah. if you try too hard you know the thing with Shyamalan is he's so uh, predicated on now his twist and then what's your twist what's your twist um, just tell the story you want to tell and then go from there. I mean, that's the most important thing. We, yeah. The press put weird expectations on him in that, back in the day with the next Spielberg. I'm like, yeah, whoa, whoa, slow that, down. Yeah. Slow down, Time Magazine. <laughs> the other thing about Unbreakable 2 is low, too, though, like, um, like it's so, like, the shots are so creative. And that's oh, what yeah. I was missing from Split and yeah. Glass. <laughs> <laughs> um, which, again, like... I think his shot, I, I, it's one of the early shots in the film where... Uh, uh, glasses turning the comic book. I think yeah. it looks really cool. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I didn't even notice it said active comics and not action comics for mm. like the longest time. And there's also like when uh, David Dunn is working out and the camera like follows the barbell as it goes up and down with him in some of the shots. Um, and then like some scenes just play out in reflections. Um, That's right. I haven't seen that movie in a while. I should watch it. Yeah, it's it's great. Um, yeah, and sp- Split's good too. It's just. Uh, you know, without like the studio level cinematography, um, in the Q and A, he talks about like yeah, he's working with new cinematographers and things, like newer people, 
And so that's kind of the thing about splitting glasses. They just kind of feel new. Mm. Whereas Unbreakable feels like an old film. Mm. Um, just like the actual filmmaking quality. Mm. Um, anyway, we'll talk more about glass lack next week, but, um, uh, and then I also watched, uh, is that the last thing I watched? Second, last thing I watched room with Captain Marvel, which is a really good movie. Mm -hmm. Um, about a woman who is abducted, raped, and forced to live, uh, never going outside in this shed um, at her abductor's place. Has a kid, lives in that shed with that kid for five years? Four years. For five years. The movie starts on his fifth birthday. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's, you know, this intimate, small movie about coping with the situation and, you know, her trying to get out and... Um, people told me it was all in the shed. No, or, no, or like ninety no. percent of the movie. And it's like thirty percent of the movie is really a shed because yeah. all the trauma happens after they do get out. Yeah, the most intense parts are when when after she gets out, and yeah. then it's it's unbearable breakdown until like maybe the final moment when you get some glimmer of hope. Yeah, um, and it, like most of the movie is through the kids' perspective, mm-hmm. uh, which is you know heartbreaking too. Yeah, um, Tremblay's really good in it. So, yeah, de- definitely a good movie. I can see why she got the Oscar for that one. Mm. Um, and the last thing I saw just today was the JC- JCVD's new movie, The Bouncer, um, which the theater I saw it at, um, it was in French, and they didn't subtitle it. So is it Trey Bone or Trey Mayard? I thought it was awesome. Even though there's only, like, two action scenes in the movie, it's mostly a drama. Um, so Jean-Claude Van Damme is, he starts out as a bouncer, for, like a regular nightclub, right? Um, and he's really good at his job, but then some guy like gets pissed off that the waitress spilled a drink on her. Um, so he, you know, throws him outside and, but then that guy doesn't like stop, uh, you know, tussling with Van Damme and then Van Damme accidentally like pushes him and that guy hits his head and he, you know, dies. And then Van Damme's bouncer buddy, you know, is like, you know, we'll, we'll cover this up, but I got to fire you. Um, so then Van Damme has to get a, again, I didn't have the subtitles, so I'm just interpreting <laughs> what's happening on screen through the motion. I mean, pictures. it's not entirely in French. Like at one point at his new job, there's an, a guy who speaks English. So, you know, Van Damme starts speaking English. They didn't and subtitle stuff. it. I know. Um, I'm guessing because it's also on video on demand, so you could actually watch this, you know, without going to the theater. Um, but I'm guessing the on demand has the English subtitles. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know why. John like, Claude wanted you to feel classy watching it. Um, I don't know why it's like in a Fort Collins, like, and also this Fort Collins theater is like, it's called an AMC classic. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. my, my ticket was a dollar 99. Yeah. I've went to an AMC classic, uh, when I was in uh, Montana and I saw Halloween mm-hmm. there, but cause it wasn't stadium seating. Yeah. It was just, here's a shitty theater that AMC bought out, I guess. Classic theater, yeah. yeah. Even when I went to buy my ticket, the girl at the counter is just like, uh, just so you know, the movie's uh, um, subtitled and, and and they speak French. And I was like, that's fine, you know. Mm. And she's like, wow, you're the only person who's not run away from that. <laughs> <laughs> Every person I've told that, they just Did she give leave you a, or pick a different movie. Did she give you a medal for that? <laughs> no, I should have. Um, but anyway, so Van Damme uh, has to go get a new job. He picked... He takes a new job at a strip club, um, and the the job interview is he gets like walked down to the into the basement, and the guy like as soon as he walks into the room, the guy's like, "All right, who's ever left standing gets the job." 
So like he instantly goes into a fist fight nice. with like six other guys. Uh, it's pretty awesome. I like that uh, the job la- interview. Yeah, um, and then you eventually figure out that you know the, the strip club is like a front for this guy who has like a criminal organization, and Van Dam gets in with him, and then the police come, and uh, they're like, "Hey, we know about the murder at the nightclub. If you basically be a spy for us, you know, we'll sweep, we'll you know go easy on you. So you get into this organization, do what he says." The other action scene is, uh, like, the first job he has to do. Um, and they just, like, they kidnap her, um, his kid to, like, make him do it. Um, he, like, goes into this house. And it's kind of, I think it's, I think it was one take. Um, they got, uh, the, the American guy's like, you know, we got to go in and get this uh, guy who knows how to print the counterfeit money. Like, steal it, he's stealing it from another organization, like their guy. Um, and Van Dam's like, so what's the plan? And the American guy's like, I don't know, we just go in and get it. And Van Dam's like. All right, you stay here. I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> and he just, yeah, he w- goes in. And I think I think it is a single take. It's awesome. pretty awesome where he, like, goes in through the base. Like, he goes around the compound, into the basement, up the stairs, um, and then, like, back down the stairs because of the guys. And then through all these rooms, it's pretty sweet. Um, yeah, so if you can catch it, I highly recommend it. Mm. Um, yeah. And that's it for me. Zach? Uh, watched a couple things. Um, before Film Explosion, I um, or like just around the interim of Film Explosion, I uh, went to the theater a couple times. I saw Holmes and Watson. Um, and yeah, it's pretty bad. Um, I, my frustration with it isn't the the Farrell and uh, Riley of it all. It's really the story. Like, it's trying really hard to uh create a good mystery but it doesn't really know how a good Sherlock Holmes mystery works um and every plot twist and character twist is very convenient and not clever at all um the people in it are fine uh like Farrell and Riley are fun to watch together I don't know if they're the best ones to do a Sherlock Holmes parody um cuz like I'd rather see them do something like on their own like step brothers or even Talladega Nights, like it's something that they create and not necessarily having to grab onto an established figure like that. Um, but there is a way to do a good Sherlock Holmes parody. And I feel how you do it is you actually parody the films from the thirties and forties and just kind of like their interpretations of it. But it's, it's not going to necessarily equal like box office hit, but yeah, I know it's like you, you, main audiences aren't going to like get the joke if they've never seen those old movies. Not necessarily, but if you like the interpretations of those characters would be a better way to like lift off of like a, a lift off point, you know, like you don't have to like do it beat for beat, but like, like it has DNA strands of it in there, but I don't know. Like it was disappointing. Um, and the humor was kind of like weird and it's chopped up. It's like a 90 minute movie. So it was chopped up to all fucking hell. Um, so there's shit that's missing clearly. Mm. Um, I don't think it's unwatchable and it's not the worst movie of last year, but it's not the best. Um, I saw vice, uh, Adam McKay's new film. Uh, I'm kind of with you. Uh, well, I mean, maybe I don't know. I can't remember what you said about it. Like exactly. But I, I wasn't the biggest fan of it. Compared to I the feel big like it's short, trying too hard. Yeah, it's. I don't know if you felt this way, but it feels like to me, it's too broad a subject to do what they're doing with it. 
um, they're they're grasping at a bunch of different straws and they don't really have a central focus other than Dick Cheney's a bad man, which is fine if you want to do it that way. But there's so many different things to talk about with that story that I think they wanted to try to do everything instead of trying to focus on one thing. Whereas I think the big short inherently because of its story has a better focus point. Yeah, um, it's one event. Yeah. They're trying to cover We're, all of Cheney's life. Right. Which if you're going to do a biopic of it, Cheney in that big short format, you know, like I, there are moments in this film that I love that you probably should have cut out. Like, I mean, I love the moment where they stop the movie halfway and do a fake credit sequence yeah. saying like Dick Cheney uh, went on to raise prize winning Labradors or golden retrievers. Um, and then it like, and then also they're just, there seems to be a lack of, um, uh, like I said, direction, but also just like, how do we edit this together? Like the story weaves in and out way too much for my for my taste. But I think that's also what makes it interesting to watch. So I wouldn't discourage you from seeing it. Uh, and Bale and Adams are great in it. Yeah. Um, I guess I, I, it weaves so much. Like by the time they get to the Iraq War stuff, I'm just like I'm kind of having trouble following like exactly what the plan is i mean like yeah and it's like unless you're like a political news junkie and stuff like that i don't know if you're gonna necessarily follow every single angle i was able to follow it but i was still like kind of going like oh wait what why, why? like what are we doing pick, now? pick yeah. a lane pick a lane don't swerve so much um i actually like steve carell in it a lot uh, i think he did a great job rockwell's fine i don't think he's in it enough to make too much of an impact to be honest um yeah and um, Tyler Perry as Colin Powell is pretty interesting, um, and yeah, um, and the oh, but the I will say the final moments of it were like jaw dropping, um, and just the way they kind of like handle his uh, heart tran or his heart surgery, um, and also the thing that is finally said right after that by Cheney, I think is is a master stroke of like comedic delivery and just like you're fucking evil man um so yeah i mean I, I would go check it out um i also saw if beale street could talk the new film from barry jenkins uh director of moonlight uh that movie's really fucking good um i've never read the book um by james baldwin before so and i saw it with henry before he left so he and i were kind of walking in blank um uh but i uh from my from my end uh it's a really good love story that has a lot of heartache to it that was difficult yet cathartic to watch. Um, and, uh, it, I mean, and it's, it's, it's a film about two people, two young people in love, um, during like the, the racial tensions of the sixties, um, living in New York. And, uh, the, the, the boy is arrested for, um, rape, which he did not commit. Um, and they, the whole story is the girl, while pregnant with his baby, trying to find the woman who accused him of rape and get her back and trying to find out what really happened. Um, and it's um, it, it's it's a it's a rough watch, but it's really good and worth your time. Regina King, she's been getting a lot of buzz for, and she won the Golden Globe for Best Supporting Actress. She's fantastic. Um, and really what's winning her that award is a scene where she tracks down the girl that uh made the accusation but then fled down to Puerto Rico. Um so it, and it's it's a it's a rough scene. 
Um, and then Brian Tyree Henry from uh, uh, Widows is in it too, and he's good. Um, whole cast is great all around. Um, it's mostly like people I've never heard of, so it was fun. But yeah, I, I'd check it out if you haven't seen um, a Barry Jenkins movie. Um, that might be um, a little more mainstream compared to Moonlight, but I think Moonlight's fantastic. So um, I uh, I finally got into the Western phase of the Clint Eastwood collection uh, for the articles I'm writing. So I started off with his Universal films. Um, he only did three Westerns with Universal. Um, the first one uh, was Joe Kidd, which is uh, based on an Elmore Leonard script. Uh, it's fun. It's just a kind of like by-the-numbers Western, like kind of what you think of Clint Eastwood as a Western hero when you think of him. I was going to say that. Um, <laughs> yeah, you've seen it before, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, then the other one, Two, two, Mural, two Mules for Sister Sarah, uh, spoiler, Clint was in a movie about mules before. Oh, yeah. uh-huh. um, but it's uh, him and Shirley MacLaine, uh, who plays a nun, team up to uh, help some Mexican revolutionaries defeat def- to, to defeat the French uh, who were invading Mexico at the time. The, the French intervention is what it's called. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, Clint's pretty good at that, too. Uh, it's It's really kind of like a character piece than anything else and it's like a comedy of errors between McLean and Eastwood and I honestly think it's a shame that we never got more movies with Eastwood and Shirley McLean like opposite each other because they're really fun to watch together and they have really good back and forth with each other uh, and there's this really great scene Clint gets shot through the chest with an arrow um, like or the shoulder um, by Native Americans, and they like she scares them off with her cross because Jesus is that terrifying in cross form. Um, and uh, they're by a riverbank, and they're trying to like get to this train to blow up the bridge so that they could stop an armory from coming through. But he's got to get up, so the arrow's still in him. He instructs her to um, uh, carve out a little like point in the arrow where he she can fill it with gunpowder. And then break off the tip, and then while he lights it with the cigar, she has to hammer the arrow through him so that it'll cauterize the wound. And it's drawn out for 15 minutes, and it's ever-loving fantastic. Um, I had seen this film before along with Joe Kidd, but I hadn't really like you know, appreciated the small things they do in these movies. Um, so that's one of the reasons I was doing this series in general was to rediscover those wonderful things about him. Um, which leads me to uh, High Plains Drifter, uh, which is a film I've seen before, but it was like I'd only seen it once. And uh, if I had I remembered what this film was, I would have asked Ryan to come over and watch it with me because this is a straight up horror movie. Nice. <laughs> um, it's a uh, it's about a a stranger played by Clint comes into a town and starts some shit. Um, and uh, but the town is so scared about these bandits that are going to come um, after their release back to the town that they try to hire Clint as a uh, like to teach them how to defend the town um, or to just take care of them entirely. And Clint's character, the stranger, ends up upending the town uh, through a series of different like tricks and like just actions that he instructs them to do. Like he basically gets himself like carte blanche of the town and then totally exploits it. But what the film's like kind of leading up to is that there was a murder that was committed in this town that the three men who are approaching know about and the whole town was in on and Clint and, um, 
a little person, Mordecai, <laughs> um, are uh, are the only ones who are innocent in the whole affair. I don't want to spoil it because I want Ryan to watch it, but it's a straight up horror movie, and the last twenty minutes are fucking insane. If I had to equate it to anything, it's like a modern day art house horror film where like. I haven't seen Bone Tomahawk, but it has the energy of the Bone Tomahawk trailer that I've mm, seen. You should see Bone Tomahawk. It's um, awesome. I know. I need to watch it. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I'll, I would check those out. I'm going to continue that whole um, marathon. Uh, rewatched Charlie Chaplin in Modern Times uh, with my Criterion, um, which I, I've watched it many times before. Um, one thing I forgot, there's a title card that says Searching for Illegal Nose Powder, <laughs> and it's it's a whole scene where Charlie Chaplin is putting cocaine on his food and then gets hyped up and eats more, co- more food. Even more awesome says looking for booger sugar. Yeah. <laughs> I'd really laugh. Um, and I still love the scene in the, um, uh, in the toy department of the department store where he's skating around and he's doing a blindfolded. So he's narrowly missing a drop point where he could just fall over and break his back. And, um, and Paul I. Goddard, his then uh, girlfriend and slash wife, was uh, in the movie, and she's great as the gamon. Um, it's it's still a really good movie, and it surprisingly held, holds up. Not not surprisingly, it just hold, it feels like as relevant today as it, when it was made, just because of what it's addressing in terms of like work, society, culture, politics, and stuff like that. It's 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 still a solid film. Um, and then last thing is I've been. Um, uh, watching uh, Star Trek Next Generation again, um, which I haven't done since college. And when I watched it in college, I was stoned all the time or drunk. <laughs> um, so I like watching it clear-headed now. Uh, Farpoint is still a great way to open up that um, show. The jellyfish are weird, but I like the way they look. <laughs> um, and uh, I like Q. I've always liked the character Q. Um, uh it just and like they they kept him throughout the series and didn't just relegate him to one episode. Um, I thought he had a movie. Like it's it's weird they didn't. I agree. Make that like him. Yeah, part it, of the movie stuff. It's almost like though if they were to if they were like we're not getting Star Trek four anymore. I guess. Yeah. Um, but if they were to try to reboot next gen in movie form, maybe get Q in as one of the villains. Maybe not the first film, but maybe the second or third. I don't know. I think it's because they wanted to keep him like as a like a relic. Or like a prize of the show, like, like it's that's we keep this and everything else. Yeah, like, like, the Borg are expendable, but yeah, like <laughs> we're gonna exploit the Borg for all the different shows. But like Q is like an invention of you know the next gen series and yeah, and then and, and Jonathan Frakes in that in that opening pilot, like that's God, man. He's he's a, he's a god. He looks beautiful. He's just a handsome looking man. Um. And, uh, but the second episode, uh, the naked now, which is based partially on the naked time from the original series. That's a weird way to have a second episode or third episode where depending on how you count it, cause it's basically like, okay, we, we introduced these great characters into counter at far point, And now the second episode is going to be, what if they were all fucking drunk? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, Denny or Natasha Yar has uh sex with data. It's weird. Um, but I, I counter that every episode of Star Trek, the original series has some kind of weird bent to it. And that version of the naked in the naked time has Sulu with his shirt off playing with a sword. Oh my. Oh yeah. And it's, it's delightful, but you know, 
I mean, like, Star Trek's going to do whatever the fuck it's going to do. Like, it does not play by conventional rules. And Well, the thing about Next Generation is I think it really finds its footing in the third season because mm-hmm. the first two are very much, like, following the model of the original series. Yeah, and then that's where when they... Where it's really about the stories. Mm-hmm. And then third season of Next Gen onward, they figure out how to... It's about the stories, but they really know how to develop, like, individual stories around characters. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, there's, yeah, there's more character development, especially, yeah, because Best of Both Worlds kicks off. Picard's whole because Picard's kind of like a non-character for the first. He's seasons. really angry he's in the first. Authority, co- yeah, he's just like a gruff authority figure. He's got great character moments, like uh, Data's hearing the dirty limerick. There once was a man from Venus who had a very large captain. <laughs> <laughs> um, and him getting angry at Wesley is still some of the funniest shit I've ever watched on Star Trek. Anything period. Um, it's. I like how he has to tell Riker. Don't make, don't let me be an embarrassment in front of other people. I hate children. I fucking hate them. <laughs> he says fucking. No, no, he, wow. he says damn a lot in those first two episodes. Though he says damn a lot. What's um, the future? Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> um, but so yeah, uh, I'm gonna keep watching because uh, I did TOS last year. I'll do TNG this year and maybe even try to do some Voyager because I, I only watched a bit of Voyager. I didn't watch it all. No so. DS9. I'll do DS9. I like space politics and shit. People talking in a fucking space station. So yeah, yeah, that's all I watched this week. Ah, uh, fuck! I mean, so much. Um, just oh, the touching. card ran out. I guess we got it. Yeah, <laughs> that's fine. Uh, I finally saw the unrated cut of the two thousand thirteen Evil Dead. Um, and yeah, there's a lot more gore in it. Surprisingly. Hmm. Wait, so was there an unrated cut when it was first released? No. So uh. That was a whole hullabaloo with yeah, bootlegging. So, so with uh, it was released on VOD last year, and then they decided to make a Blu-ray of it as well. Um, it was released in the UK. Uh, a lot of times when you see unrated stuff, you go, oh, there's nothing to it. I have seen the two, 2013 Evil Dead enough to know that there's a lot more. Um, the scene where she splits her tongue goes on for about another minute. Oh, um, there's a little more... Uh, Dialogue play with her and the the lady she terrifies, and also the cutting of the tongue and what she does with the tongue. Um, and then when the I, for, I always forget the character's name besides Mia, um, but when she goes upstairs and she cuts off her arm, there's more where uh, you see like the special effects and this uh, makeup effects are amazing in this film. She's cutting her her arm, and you can see her continually moving the the what do you, what are those called a uh, carver. Oh, electric the, carver. Oh, the electric carver yeah, yeah, you can see it going in and out of her bicep, and you're like, "Oh fuck!" Uh, and then there's uh, the ending has about three or four more minutes to it, and then there's a mid-credit tag scene um, that wasn't in the original one. It's not that great, but it's kind of cool to see what happens to Mia. Um, so yeah, it, it's noticeable if you've seen the movie enough, uh, like I have. I mean, the movie's already super violent, and you can see w- what they had to cut out to actually achieve an R rating. And a lot of it is uh, the lingering shots, the lingering of her cutting her arm off, uh, her moving her tongue back and forth when it's split uh, is pretty uh, pretty impressive. That tongue scene when I saw it in a theater in Burbank, I was like, it was a day after I'd like been bar hopping with friends, and like that scene comes up, and I had a panic attack and went to the nearest trash can and vomited. Oh, wow. so like it's the only horror movie I've ever done that in ever. Yeah. Is it's, it's an intense film. It's really well done. Yeah, uh, because they they 
they told a similar but different story, which I think you had to with this because it's a little more serious than the Sam Raimi movie. Sam Raimi movie's a little more slapsticky. This is way more serious. It's a thoughtful film. Uh, That's what I'd say. Oh with, yeah, with the whole with her drug use. You know, and stuff. I, I still think one of my most favorite and terrifying scenes ever in any film is when her brother comes in and he says, "Mia, what are you doing?" And she goes, "There's someone in the room with me." And her eyes are so wide, and she's ta- oh, it's it's pretty great. Um, so if you haven't seen it, definitely check it out. Um, the unrated cut for some reason is constantly being sold out because it must be a Sony on demand thing. Because also the Blu-ray, so I got it in. They changed the cover, but the back cover is exactly the same for the one they released in 2013. <laughs> and on the inside, they have the same disc. And then the unrated cuts, just white with black lettering that says Evil Dead. Uh, uh, it does come with um, two red band trailers that they included. So that's kind of cool. Um, that's the only other special features on it. They don't have any commentary or anything. Makes it feel more dirty when you just got it on a white label. <laughs> I know, yeah. It definitely seems like it's bootleg. Oh, should I be watching But this? yeah, even like the... The back artwork is exactly the same. Mm-hmm. They literally just changed the front. So you, you sure you want to lose your commentary? Uh, no, I have that. So it comes with the it comes with the original disc too. Oh, so you get both? Yeah, you get both. They just like slapped it on there. They literally changed the front cover. The back cover is the same, and then they put a white and black disc in it. That's so it's a two disc collection. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and one disc is basically the one yeah. I'm holding right now. Yeah, that, exactly. The, the new one. Okay. Um, you know, I never for lately because everybody doesn't want you to buy di- uh, physical copies of stuff. Uh, I haven't been too lucky, but I went to Second and Charles, which is the old Trades Mart, and I, that store I really don't like it that much. I hate how it's organized. Um, and I, I was just as my wife, my little boy loves Secret Life of Pets, mm-hmm. and they took it off Netflix, so you can't stream it anymore. So my wife. Asked if I could find a used copy of it. Ugh. So I... <laughs> do you, Tell her you got lost. <laughs> yeah, so I, I went to... Well, my little guy likes it. I don't really I care. Know. Whatever. <laughs> I, I can put up with it. Um, can you? <laughs> no. I always I always put on designated survivor or something. So on uh, my iPad. Anyways, so I'm flipping through and uh, I said, you know what? Let me see. Because they wasn't in the children's section. And they're so bad of organi- organizing there mm-hmm. that I said, maybe they put it in the normal section. So I'm going through and I scan... I get to M's and the 20th anniversary of Monster Squad is there for eight dollars. I'm surprised you didn't have it. Uh, you know, I have the DVD. I don't know why. Oh, I, don't, okay. I don't know why I don't have the Blu-ray. To tell you, you just the truth. been holding out for a better edition. Or? No, I don't know why I didn't get the Blu-ray. It must not have been available for very long or something. Because that sounds like something I'd get. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they, I don't know. I, I, it's highly unlikely that they would put the DVD out and then, like, six months later, do the Blu-ray version of it. I don't know. I'll it's have like, to go what, back. Two thousand nine. Yeah, two thousand nine. Well. So maybe that's what it is because the actual 20th anniversary is uh, 2007. Mm-hmm. So maybe I got the DVD because the Blu-ray hadn't come out yet. Was Blu-rays 2008? I think it's 2008 or Blu-ray first or 2006 is the first Blu-rays. Uh, 2007 because that's like when Spider-Man 3 came out and like Sony was copying yeah, the font. I, those, I, yeah, those... I do know that's right. <laughs> I do know that I think this Blu-ray came out in 2009. Yeah. So it must have not. Got much fanfare because I don't know why I never had it. Does it have the special features? It on does. It from, so it includes oh, wow. all the special features from the DVD. And mm. so just uh, watching it, uh, I'll be really quick. It, I mean, you've seen a movie so many times on DVD and VHS. When you see it in high definition for the first time, you go, wow, I've never seen this movie before uh, because it looks so great. Um, there's some uh, uh, focus poles that are a little blurry. Um, but I think that's a lot of times with the time. Mm-hmm. It happens a lot in the older and older films if they don't go back and restore them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't mind it. So there's a part where 
Uh, the dad goes in the kid's room with a mummy, and it's a little out of focus, the background, and it looks like the camera's moving, so like they didn't focus pull it right or something. I don't know. Um, it's a tinge of authenticity. Yeah, it still looks good. And the, I mean, it, again, there's colors that I've never seen in it before. Uh, so yeah, if you happen to have 40 bucks, you can get it on, I think, Amazon. It's $40 used. Um, so I think they messed that up. Um, I watched uh, Juliet Naked, which uh, Corinne let me Perf. borrow. Huh? You're perv. I know. Uh, <laughs> and it's uh, it's a romantic comedy. It doesn't follow too many romantic comedy tropes. Uh, it stars Rose Byrne, Ethan Hawke, and Chris O'Dowd? Chris O'Dowd, yeah. Um, From and, The Bridesmaids. And Chris O'Dowd runs a blog about a famous musician who released a mo- uh, album that's called Juliet, and it's like a masterpiece, and he loves it. And then randomly he gets this package in the mail that's called Juliet Naked and it's a stripped down demo version. And so uh, she posts on his blog that it's garbage and uh, what's his name? Fuck. I can't really remember the artist's name. Ethan Hawk. Yeah. What's we'll called Ethan Hawk. Um, that was going to drive me crazy. Uh, uh, well, I'll talk about it. I'll look it up anyway. So she writes on there that it's garbage and it's worthless. And so the real guy reaches out to her and he says, yeah, I totally agree. It's, totally garbage and um no one should listen to it and uh and they've developed this like correspondence through email um it's weird he's not even listed like on uh tucker crow there we go tucker crow so his name's tucker crow he's like this big alt rock guy it's demos she says it's garbage tucker crow reaches out to her says i agree with you it's Mm -hmm. stupid and um she never tells chris o'dowd that uh she's corresponding with him and they've been together for 15 years and she wants a kid now and he still doesn't want one. He ends up cheating on her with this girl who wants to listen to Tucker Crow. Um, and then eventually Tucker Crow goes out to England to see his daughter have a baby and um, she ends up meeting his crazy life. And what I liked about it is it didn't follow a lot of the beats that you expect in a romantic comedy. Mm-hmm. In fact, it doesn't end the way you think it would end. Um and Ethan Hawke's really great at it. He plays a really damaged um, person that is, you still like him, but he's made a lot of mistakes in his life. And he's trying to atone for those mistakes now. Mm-hmm. And that's why he kind of went away. He's, you know, he was this rock star and now he's not anymore. And um, what happens with that and how he uh, works through it with uh, Rose Byrne's character. It's really good. You should check it out. Um, I liked it. Sweet. And I'm not a big, you know romantic comedy person i watched uh hellfest which was awful uh yep the the, the wait, most because i also saw Bloodfest. so hellfest is they're at like a haunted mazes and they're in a theme park yeah and there's like one killer stalking yeah them all the time yeah. yeah okay that's the one yeah so it's the the cinematography is really garish Bloodfest is the one where the park is like made up to kill people yeah 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 because I, I couldn't remember because i know you saw both of them but i couldn't uh, remember the two because they sounded so similar yeah um like the cinematography is really garish like it's it, you can tell they don't have a lot of money and so they put lots of yellows and oranges and blues and reds and they're going through these mazes while someone's trying to kill them and i'm really disappointed in a slasher film when it's not violent it's like there's not that much blood in it um, well, the whole movie's at night, so yeah. it's hard to see anything, really. Yeah, but and then he, you go inside everything, it's even darker. Yeah, and but that's what I mean. So they do this weird thing where they're trying to put different colors, because they're in these haunted houses, I guess. 
the story is is a these group of friends go to this place called Hellfest, which is a bunch of like haunted mansions. And uh, while they're going through, there's some dude stalking him and killing him. And I guess if you think a dude with a hole in his boot and wearing a hoodie and a really stupid mask is scary, then I guess this movie's for you. That that's the reason I can't sleep at night, right? <laughs> well, you know, at the beginning, I thought his mask with like the devil mask was cooler, mm-hmm. and then he got this really weird. I don't know. Looks like a sixth grade paper mache project mask. Yeah. Well, he has like eight different masks that he alternates. Yeah. So, well, uh, Brad, that's a twist at the end. He comes home and he's just some normal gay. Also, um, don't make fun of my paper mache. Yeah, <laughs> I worked very but, hard for that movie. <laughs> it's just, it's so bad. And you know, I again, I like horror films, so I try to give them the benefit of the doubt. But the characters in it are really garbage. Yeah, like their whole thing is like the one girl's trying to hook up with the other guy. Yeah, and they're like they're scared to like. Yeah. And then she doesn't like that her one friend has a new friend from college. Yeah. But they never really explore why she doesn't like the friend from college. She just doesn't. And they never really explore that. And it's really funny. I was watching this. The one special feature that came on the DVD from Redbox. Um, it's the making of Hellfest. You know, 16 minutes and they all the actors say, you know, one of the reasons we really like this film is the depth of the characters. And I go, did we watch the same movie? It's and, It's like. There is no. It felt like there was no script. They just like they let the cast riff and do whatever they wanted. Yeah, and yeah. Filmed it, and they weren't good at it. Yeah, you know. Um, and the dude's not scary. Um, it it just it just didn't work for me. And I don't know. And the music was really annoying. Um, the lighting was really annoying in the movie. Um, I get that they didn't have a lot of money, but come on. I want a horror also, film now called That Dude Was Annoying. <laughs> also, one. where do these like super elaborate horror theme parks exist? Because... Yeah. Okay. And also, too, so let's <laughs> say some girl is like, help me, they're trying to kill me. We just ignore. I know, right? Be like, eh, whatever. Like they have people in the park to yeah. like police it. And like that's not their first instinct is like, oh, this shit might be real. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. Like you know, that's your job, dude. The one kill that I thought was actually kind of good and creepy was the very first kill with the main character nat natalie something (laughs) some blonde random bland woman um that one girl's escaping and the dude shows up and she says oh she's over there and so he drags her out and just say what are you waiting for kill her and he kills her i'm like oh that's kind of cool i'm like oh i can get on board with this but then i it was awful and it i i read the about the director um and he directed paranormal activity the ghost dimension whatever fifth fucking one, i don't remember oh but he also cut his teeth as an editor and the film was really poorly edited and really poorly paced i hate when movies are like an hour and 27 minutes and they feel it like eternity he also did uh, scott's guide to the zombie apocalypse no and not that. christopher landon yeah it's not that dude his sure? name's gregory talk Batonki or something hmm. does this also have like they're in the girl's bathroom yep okay yep because that like that scene also kind of like ruined halloween for me early because like watching Halloween a couple weeks later, it's just like, oh, I saw this already. I know it's way more intense. Well, Halloween. and Halloween is more intense, but it's <laughs> yeah. still like it's like, oh, I saw that device. Yeah, like, I, I've seen this scene. Gotcha. It's done better, but like, there's no surprise to it. Yeah, and I guess it was in the trailer too. But yeah, it's you know, it's I was just like, it's there in Halloween going being like, you could just tell, just more. not quite as. I will good say, as... Hellfest is still probably better than Bloodfest. Okay, well, I won't see Bloodfest. I couldn't remember which one you Bloodfest saw. Has more CGI and shit in it. Oh. Uh, I watch Blockers, which is yeah. really pretty funny, actually. Yeah, it is. Um, <laughs> is more funny than I thought it would be. Yeah. Um, and I had fun with it. You know, I'm always surprised that I like John Cena in movies because I think he's a really horrible professional wrestler. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was fun. 
Uh, if you haven't seen Blockers, these parents are trying to stop their daughters from hooking up and having sex on prom night, and it's just them going through shenanigans to have it happen, and it's really funny. Yeah. And there's some heart in it, too, and it's uh, it's well done. It's a little like game night where it's like the yeah. adults are getting into a bunch yeah. of shenanigans. And, yeah, I think yeah. game night's a little stronger, but this movie's pretty funny. Yeah. Um, you can stream it on HBO. Also, you're right. I was wrong. Or you're right. I was wrong. I, I thought. Remember, I, I, I thought, mean, I don't know which one. I know he directed Paranormal Activity. I don't know which Landon one. did. Landon did three and uh, two, three and four. So he did the um, fifth one. I don't or, know how many. Or he wrote those ones and then he did Scout's Guide. But mm. Plotkin did Ghost Dimension or so AKA the, the fifth one. AKA my worst driving old. experience. <laughs> um, and the last thing I watched is Mandy. Uh, Nicholas oh, Cage's yeah. Mandy. Ooh. Um, it's not horrible. Uh, but you know, I was expecting it being way more violent, and I don't think it was that violent. I mean, the end was whatever, but it kept on building up to something, something more, something more, and I don't know. It's there. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, I don't get the hype behind it because it's it feels like all style to me. Yeah, mm-hmm. and because so the cinematography in this one didn't bother me as much as um as Hellfest. Because I get that he's trying to set a mood and is more uh, competently made, so it didn't bother me. And, I, you know, some of it's weird when it turned all red when the cult leader was staring at the one girl walking down the street. Um, you know, everyone's talking about an unhaged Nick Cage. I'm like, I've seen this before. I've, you know, he has more restrained in that film. Yeah, like, he has this really weird line reading when he goes see uh when he goes and sees the dude from predator and he says he lit her on fire and it's, it's a really weird line read i mean that scene's actually really great in that scene where she's burning alive in front of him uh but again you know i've seen it before i've seen it in friday the 13th and i think the one on friday the 13th is more intense just me um but you know he goes he's supposed to go crazy and then it's, it's i don't know i didn't think i thought it was gonna be way more over the top violent and it's just i mean it is but like the most of the movies all dark so it's not like yeah seeing a ton of detail like when he goes and fights those like demon guys in their trailer yeah like there's tons of blood but it's all black you yeah know? exactly um and the just... chainsaw fight is like you know there's blood spray but yeah there's like a spotlight so you're not seeing like agreed it's it's all right i mean it's it's no evil dead no <laughs> no uh you know i mean him fighting like the demon bikers like the story's cool and um but then again it's edited weird i mean he just randomly finds them and then they're back at his house. I don't know. I don't know what's going on because he they, they must be back at his house because he or do they take his weapon and hang it in their house? I don't know. Yeah, I thought they I thought it was like their trailer, trophy, their, maybe um, or whatever. Maybe it's a place where the cult hangs out. And maybe in the movie. Maybe I, I did like uh, I did like when he was crafting the axe is like so unusual and out of place in the film also the time it takes to (laughs) build that elaborate axe like it just yeah yeah, it's all style it is it's all right and yeah they place it in there like they they already have a place to mount it (laughs) yeah i mean the the character design for the demons was cool i thought they looked really cool um and and the dude was the right level of creepy for the cult leader Mm -hmm. um but yeah i mean it's there Bruce, bruce wayne's dad yeah oh yeah that was weird because I said, I know this guy from somewhere. So after the movie, I IMDb him. Like, oh, got to see all of them. <laughs> but I, I do, you know, I do really like uh, the part where he's has that really long monologue. And then she just laughs at him and says, you're stupid. <laughs> I think it's pretty yeah. great. <laughs> um, also, she burns up really quick, right? Uh, My f- misremembering. There's maybe. something about her being on fire that was like, what? Like, it, no, I think it's really pretty prolonged because they leave him there. 
And then remember he picks her up and she just goes away. And I kept on thinking dust in the wind is all I could think about <laughs> when that happened. Um, but that scene's pretty good. It's an all right movie. Um, yeah, I think, I think the sound is really important in that movie. Mm-hmm. And I think if you'd, if you'd seen it in a theater, you probably would have been a little more impressed. Like Maybe. a sensory thing. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, you I got mean, pretty I, good sound. I do. Home. I have surround sound. Loud? Uh, yeah. yeah right. <laughs> is your sound loud? I, I feel like with synth, like you've got to crank it up or else it puts yeah, you Yeah, no, sleep. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Um, you, know, I, you know, you mentioned the pace. I didn't, the pace didn't bother me because uh, I felt it was building towards something. And I think the performances were unique enough and interesting enough or it didn't... I didn't bother me right away because you prepared me for it yeah well the second time i watched it it went by faster yeah so. but it does it takes a little bit to get going but you know it's there hmm. he's a lumberjack i guess um yeah and that's, that's okay he sleeps all night and he works all day that's right hey we have movie news this is what's happening in movie news jesus christ we're not in movie news yet uh, i'll go by this quick i don't think there's a lot really um the grinch uh which you saw is now the highest grossing christmas movie of all time worldwide uh, and it surpassed uh, more than Die Hard. <laughs> Checking really, numbers. <laughs> really, really, right now. I think worldwide it is. I think it's made some six hundred million dollars worldwide. Five hundred million, four hundred ninety-seven thousand something million. Uh, yep. uh, it's a lot, and it hit past Home Alone's worldwide total of four hundred seventy-six million. Um, so, uh, so yeah, uh, good for the Grinch. Yeah, it's cute. Yeah. Uh, we got a little teaser photo of uh, Dwayne Johnson, uh, Jason Statham, and Idris Elba for the Hobbs and Shaw film, and it's just three figures of masculine badassery <laughs> yeah, um, that are that are ready to fucking brawl, and that's all I needed from that fucking thing. Um, the Twenty One Trump Street crossover with Men in Black is dead, oh, uh, probably because we're getting Men in Black International or whatever. Hmm. Um, I think it'd be more fun if they took the Men in Black International cast. <laughs> Uh, uh, the Walter Parkus, the guy who was working on it, said, "Like we gave it a shot. It turned out to be an impossible matchup." Mm-hmm. Call us; we'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh, some interesting news that I thought was pretty interest, uh, pretty funny. Uh, Billy Zane's gonna play Marlon Brando in a biopic about Marlon Brando called "Waltzing with Brando," um, and it's gonna be about the time between. They kind of uh, look alike. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. And and Zane will know how to, like, dig into a Brando-esque character. Like, I like Zane because he's one of those guys who, like, he's kind of like a campy actor, and he I, knows how to play it correctly. I think if he wants to be good, he'll be really good. Yeah. Like, I mean, if you watch Titanic, he's really good in Titanic at playing a silent film villain mm-hmm. that's allowed to talk. Um, uh, I still haven't seen Titanic in 21 years. I've never um, seen it. <laughs> really? Hmm. It's not bad, but it's not the best picture of that year. But. I don't know. I have to see it again. Um, uh, we're getting a Final Destination reboot from the uh, Dunstan and Melton uh, co-writers who did the Saw 4, or Saw 5, 4, 5, 6, 7. You know, I don't know you know this. I'm friends with Jeffrey Reddick on Facebook. Oh, oh wow, you dude. are, are you? Uh, <laughs> the, the writer of Final Destination. No way. And uh, so he posted that when it was released, and this one person says, oh, that's so crappy that they're uh, making a reboot. And his response was, I have work, and if they want to remake it, that's fine. Yeah, it's, it's, it's their you know, you know, I think that's a cool thing if you get to a point in your life where you've made something and someone wants to remake it. Mm-hmm. I mean, because it's going to happen eventually. And at the end of the day, he's going to get residuals. Yeah. I, I'd let him do it. Who cares? So, so then, like, are you... Are, I mean, I've, I'm not... 
I don't not like the Final Destination movies, but I don't watch them on mass. Mm-hmm. So, like, I mean, it'd be interesting to see them reboot this. Yeah, I think. I mean, it works because you can say it's a reboot, but all you're doing is just making a new. It, it was the saw before there was saw. It's just a set piece of killing people. Bring Tony Todd back. <laughs> yeah, Tony Todd's amazing. Because <laughs> yeah, we're not going to get him for that Candyman remake, I don't think. Um, uh, and then lastly, um, we're going to get a Coming to America 2. So we're going to go back to Zamunda, guys. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> um, and the director on board will be Craig Brewer, uh, the guy who did Hustle and Flow and the Footloose remake. Um, he's a pretty solid director. Um, yeah. And... Uh, but he just did a film with Eddie Murphy called Dolomite is my name, which I'm really excited for. It's a Netflix film about um, a black exploitation actor in the seventies. Um, so yeah, um, not much detail on it other than they're working on the film. So, um, oh, and that the script got a rewrite from Kenya Barris who did blackish, um, mm-hmm. which is great news to me. I like blackish a lot. So, uh, so yeah, unless I missed anything that's news back to Nick Cage real quick. Mm-hmm. So I was at this video game store uh, a couple hours ago and Nick Cage was there. No. Awesome. Um, I was like overhearing the people behind the counter talking and the one girl's like, okay, so we got to watch this movie. Um, let me tell you the description. So there's like this agent and they, they take his face off (laughs) and the other guy gets his face and then they both have opposite faces and they have to like fight each other. I'm just like, I feel so old. Mm -hmm. Like these two. 22 year olds are just like now finding out this movie like like you never yep. heard of it before well the government did try to hide it from us for years yeah. <laughs> don't you remember that embargo we had after 9-11 no watching face off uh, I'm gonna take his face <laughs> this week on Real Nerds Podcast we saw Bumblebee well, a couple weeks ago um, Brad should people see Bumblebee yeah I am very surprised how much like this is the best Transformers movie um, by a lot. Um, uh, like the '80s nostalgia obviously hooked me in. Um, really easily. Um, I've actually seen it twice now. I rewatched it last night because I saw it too long ago to remember a lot of the points. <laughs> um, but um, it's. I was a little frustrated with how much Bumblebee gets his ass kicked. Like it's a little redundant. Uh, I think the movie could have been a little shorter in a lot of places, especially the scene where she chases her mom down after she borrows the car. It's like, what is this scene even doing? Like, we just cut to the beach. Um, but other than that, like, I, it, it's it's a ton of fun. Like, in the Battle of Cybertron, hell yeah. Yeah. With the original designs of all the... Oh, so good. Yeah. Zach? Yeah, so uh, I've been on this weird, wacky Transformers journey for, Transformer. for years now. Um, seeing everyone in the theater dutifully <laughs> and sometimes dumbly. Um, this... So my expectations were super low that when I walked out of this one, I was like, oh, fuck, I enjoyed that. Ah, like in a genuine way. Uh, yeah, you should go see this. This is pretty damn cool. And I agree. Uh, that beginning at Cybertron battle is fucking awesome. But more to the point, the entire movie finally understands what the fuck to do with a Transformers movie in a way that I don't think the other five knew what to do at all. If anything, like I know, I, I mean, I know there's love for that first Transformers film, but honestly, this film makes that and everything else around it look like utter dumpster fire garbage. Um, like, I really liked it. I liked Haley Stanfield in it. John Cena was great. Um, 
and uh and uh the uh the, the kid who plays memo i think his name is or uh, yeah it, it was a great cast all around and it felt super 80s like i mean this is one of those 80s nostalgia pieces that somehow really understood how to film and shoot and make it make it feel like the 80s where some of them don't always get it in my opinion so so yeah i would definitely check out bubble b yeah i'm in the same boat i my um, movie-going experience with Transformers is really bizarre. I saw the first one. haven't seen the second one. saw the third one. thought it was cool. I saw the fourth one. thought it was awful. Didn't see the fifth one. And so now we're on this. This movie, I liked it so much. I really considered when I went to Walmart afterwards. I'm like, oh, they have them all in Ultra HD for like $40. Don't that, do it. <laughs> is that worth it? Why not? You know, I didn't get it because my, my sensibility is like, no, no, I can't, I can't, I can't do it. You have a kid now. Yeah, you can't I, just I make should frivolous purchases. Yeah, like I should that. really <laughs> buy him, you know, clothes and shit. It'll be free on Netflix at some point. Yeah, because you know, but yeah, this movie is pretty fun. Um, I, you know, when I saw the trailer, I even when I saw the trailer, I had a feeling that this movie might be pretty fun, and it is. It delivers, and you're right. The battle on Cybertron is amazing. Uh, the sixth movie, they finally yeah, get to yeah. that. Yeah, and I think it helps that they scaled back the Michael Bay over bombastic shooting. Uh, when shooting, I mean like filming of the movie, um, and they just grounded it um, as much as you can with giant robots fighting. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh, yeah, yeah, well, I think they did a good job with it. So here is the trailer for Bumblebee. I'm Charlie Watson. I'm 18. Today, actually. Is the beetle for sale? Pure's kid. Happy birthday. things they don't understand. From now on, the only person you can show yourself around is me. Oh, I'm, I'm good. Now I'm good, thanks. There's a war raging on our planet. If this criminal isn't found, that war may find its way here. Is there anyone that can help you? Do you have a family? Oh, who would be? They're calling an army. I've seen firsthand these things really are. Bumblebee, there is only one way to end this war. You must protect Earth and its people. Take it down! My back, B! We stopped them. You've got me. And I'm not going anywhere. God, I'm so screwed. 
yeah, I like that they don't involve like everyone in the world. Yeah, <laughs> into the story. Like we don't need the mil- like the militaries in this, but like it just seems like the Ma- Michael Bay ones have like six different storylines that all have to come together. Yeah, when this is just like you know a girl in her car, like. That's the, all we needed. The first Transformers is like Nashville, but with robots. But you know what's great, too, is she needs to grow, too. It's not just... like The, the movie is about her and her yeah. needing to get past the death of her father. And uh, Bumblebee helps her with that. You know, mm-hmm. she realizes that she can't get this Camaro or whatever it is, Corvette working. The Corvette working, yeah. And so she settles for uh, this beat-up bum- uh, Volkswagen bug. And I... You know, her character is really fun in it. Uh, her name's Charlie. Um, and it's just, it, it's a cool arc because you, she's struggling with her identity after her father passed away because she related to him so much. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, she gave up her diving career and uh, all that uh, other stuff. But I, I think it's cool. And I think that's why it works because her journey is more relatable than Sam Witwicky. Um, is that his name in the first? Yeah. Sam Witwicky. Um, <laughs> because it's. I forget what his like. I, I don't know. He wants to he wants to sell his grandfather's merchandise or his grandfather's shit so that he can have enough money to get a car so that he can impress women. Megan Fox, that's right. Because yeah. she's that. Yeah. Now I remember. I. So, God, that making me made me realize that. Oh, now I want to watch Bumblebee ten times now yeah. just to make up for all the shit I've lost over the years. But you know, there's fucking Michael the, Bay. The, the, I mean, I even think the Transformers look better. Yeah, because they you, you mentioned it before they look more like they should. I can tell who's who now. Finally, well, the Michael yeah. Bay one is just like a bunch of scrap metal stuck yeah. together. This one, they look like cars and yeah, jets. And because uh, the transforming is really sweet. Uh, and I, I've I've said it before. I think. John Cena has the best line of yeah. the year where he says they're Decepticons that's literally their name isn't it so oh, any warning flags that was my second favorite my first favorite one was there's a door in my way <laughs> <laughs> also like uh, Ron he's like I stole a box of Malamars yeah we know <laughs> <laughs> it's good it, uh, yeah it's I need you to go over to the um, I can't remember which one and steal some sticks. We're all out of sticks for our hot dogs on a stick. <laughs> Can we just sell it to them without the stick? I love that because no. I made a hot dog on the stick for work. Uh, a hot dog oh, yeah. stick ad for work years ago. Really? <laughs> um, so I was like, oh my god, hot dog on a stick. <laughs> I remember you. Um, More of an East Coast thing. Yeah. Even though this is the West Coast. Yeah. Maybe it's a West Coast thing. I don't know. We're stuck in the middle. I don't know. There they, used to be one at Park Meadows. There's one oh. at the Aurora Mall. What? Still there. Right yeah. now? Yep. Guys, let's go. Done. <laughs> what time is it? Sure. <laughs> yeah. So what's the music budget on this movie? Because there must have been like seven 80s songs in the first five minutes yeah. of this movie. Like they played like 30 seconds of one and then jumped to the other one. I was like, wow. I mean, I like this, but yeah, and I mean, it's expensive. Cool. You know, they, they set up how he lost his, you know, way to talk and um yeah and i i mean i think the decepticons were awesome in it because they seem scary um i like how they play the play humans for fools yeah, yeah. like every, every and they invented the internet <laughs> yeah oh that <laughs> yeah. was fun everything they do in this film i like how they pop oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah that stuff is pretty gory yeah <laughs> i mean it's like silver blood but yeah well, it's, i think it's just water yeah like what, gooey water yeah. yeah it's again this film understands finally what the transformers are like those first five like when somebody dies like they'll get their heads ripped off or like fucking like actual blood and well, stuff that's, like that i mean i like the third one because optimus prime mortal combats uh that that yeah. is someone that but, one's pretty awesome but I, I don't remember i mean i don't really remember anything else about it but so. like when i saw them getting killed and turning into goo i'm like oh this fucking gets it it's a saturday yeah. morning cartoon 
And this one is the only one I'd recommend you could watch with kids. Oh, yeah. No, I took my little boy to it. He loved it. Yeah. yeah. The um, action in the Michael Bay ones is good, but this one has the heart that yeah, all yeah, those are missing. Exactly. Which, so you care more about the action because you care about the characters in it. I, I love Michael Bay films. Like, don't get me wrong, but like, I feel like they are lack. All of them are lacking an emotional well, core, one way or he's another. All about, he can direct the hell out of style, right? I mean, like the best film he made, Pain and Gain, is only as great as it is because it it has a lack of heart because it needs to have a lack yeah, of heart. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, Armageddon, like, you know, it's got some kind of a heart, but I don't know how it's beating. Um, yeah, and like Bumblebee, like I feel like I one I care about that Charlie character a lot. I care about the family too, like everything around her. Yeah, because I, I even like too that the stepdad was kind of a dork. And yeah, he, he didn't have like some hidden agenda where he's just an asshole. He's not some you like know, abusive. He, yeah, shithead. he's trying yeah. to. It, yeah, you know, he's trying to be a good dude. Yeah, and he's just a dork. He like, just doesn't know how to like. I exactly. love when he gives it the book. Show the, 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 if you smile more, you have more friends. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I lost my shit. In the, I laughed at a lot at this movie. Yeah, because it's because it, you're right. The humor comes from the heart too. Because he's mm-hmm. not a bad dude. He just doesn't understand his stepdaughter. Yeah, I well, know it was a trailer joke, but I love when they're feeding the different cassette tapes and, and never going to give you up, and he just shoots it out immediately. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. also like it's. It's it's not really his fault either because she's retreated from her family. Exactly. So like he's making the effort and she's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, oh, I uh, one of the great moments I thought was like so like she gets coaxed into doing the dive off the cliff, but she she doesn't do it. And then that scene with that the 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 bitchy gal, uh, like like making fun of her dead dad, and yeah. like so it's after that and she's feeling hurt and memos like. Uh, like, well, I want to get revenge. Bumblebee, do you want to get revenge? Revenge! <laughs> and then, like, that whole scene where they're outside of, of the bitchy girl's house and Bumblebee's trying to be a prankster. Like, that's what... If I had a robot like that, I would use it to pull pranks like that. Like, it wouldn't be, like, save the world. It'd be like, no, learn how to throw these eggs at this window. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, it's a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. And the cinematography is beautiful. Mm-hmm. It, like, the scenes at the carnival where she's yeah. working and stuff like that like it, it felt like i was watching an actual 80s movie which yeah. Yeah. that look is hard to replicate it is re- for some reason it is very hard to replicate um yeah it it sucks that it sets up the first transformers at the end oh, i, I hope they found a way to somehow not do that for whatever they do going forward well it's, it, it's, it's, it's kind of confusing thing. because like the original transformers movie like that's the first time they've been on earth mm-hmm. according to that movie so this might be rebooting it. This, you know, I, unfortunately the box office, I don't know if the, what the, they're no. going to do next, which is unfortunate because like, it, like if you want to build off anything, build off this. It, the, um, unfortunately the too little too late with the audience at some point, like you finally get the good one yeah. and then all of a sudden nobody the wants it. There, yeah. They so. want it. They want to be talked down to. Well, it was also <laughs> the holidays. Like, Oh yeah. Summer would have been a better time to they put this out. Cannibalized each other with Mary Poppins, Aquaman oh, yeah. and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, next week we're seeing Glass. Some of us have already seen it. The rest yeah. of us will be seeing Glass. What have you done, Ryan? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I've observed. And then after after that, though, what is there? Uh, there's actually there is something I want to see. I can't remember what it is. Uh, I'll remember when I look at it. Yeah. Something that was small and then is going national. Mm, okay. Or we'll be the upside. Apparently, that's yeah. a bigger the hit than I thought it'd be. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, helped out my fantasy movie league. Fuck. 
Um, the one time a Christian movie about dogs doesn't do well. <laughs> I know. The, you know what's funny I is it. I I oscillated between the two, and I said, you know what? I think this upside has some momentum. And so I, I mean, I still didn't beat Joe, but um, I thought the Kevin Hart stuff was going to hurt it. That's yeah. why I didn't pick it. And no, you saw the upside of the upside. I did. Yeah. Um, also, uh, in like five months, we're having our 400th episode, guys. I know. Jesus Christ. Um, so look out for that. I want to do a live episode of it. Okay. At the bug. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, okay. We need to make a compelling show, but I want to like figure it out now and then spend five months advertising so like two weeks ahead of time i think that's yeah. the episode where we finally all are given individual weapons and battle to the death on it's stage. always hard because you know i i mean i do know that our you know our list episodes are the most popular ones because that's the stuff we get the most traction on mm-hmm. um to make it compelling i don't know I, again I don't know. battle to the death guys well, we, we already did our favorite episodes of this you know our run so yeah. we gotta think of something else to do yep mm. so we'll figure it out but we'll figure it out Keep it, keep an ear open for that, because mm-hmm. I think it'd be fun and different for yep. 400 episodes. Wow. Yep. Yep. Well, actually, more than 400 because we, no. don't, we don't number everything. <clears throat> how how 400 main episodes? Yeah. How much longer do we have to go before we beat The Simpsons? The Simpsons uh, I think we already passed The Simpsons. Simpsons. Are, no, they gotta be like on their 600th or 700th by now. Oh shoot! Four hey, more Siri, years. How many episodes of The Simpsons are there? <laughs> Let's say average, because some hey, there's Siri. short seasons. 20 times 20? Hey, Siri. Yeah, so that's 6,600. Yeah. Yeah. How many episodes of The Simpsons are there? No, no, they're on, like, season 35. Well, they're on season 30. (laughs) Well, it's because you guys keep on saying, because they'll never stop this show. (laughs) She doesn't recognize you said liver. Oh. Siri. Siri. Hey, Siri. Fuck you, Ryan. How many episodes of The Simpsons are there? No, tell me how many there are. Castellanita? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, I love Dan Castellanita in the pursuit of happiness. <laughs> it's so much easier just to go on freaking IMDb. Uh, yeah. I, I'd say it gets 600, or at least they reach their 600 663. Goal. Damn. That's yeah, what I thought. Yeah. What happens cool. when they get to 1,000? So Bingo? we still have like... <laughs> four more years cool (laughs) sounds good till next week one week at a time Mm -hmm. bye bye thank you for listening to this episode of real nerds podcast real nerds podcast is a production of neighborless visions multimedia Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout-out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening, and have a nice day.